How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode number 14 of the Chi-Town Pod. It's just me again today. We're hoping to get Thomas back sometime next week. Maybe not for the Monday episode, but hopefully for that Wednesday episode and then for sure probably for the Friday episode. Um, so you're stuck with me. Uh, no Frank today. He's busy. He's got school. So it's just me today. And I'm going to be talking about the Blackhawks' recent stretch of games and really what the Cubs' plan is the rest of this offseason heading into spring training. So with that, let's get right into it. Uh, last night, after, 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 after the game got postponed, Blackhawks with a tough 3-0 loss to the Sabres. I mean, when you're fielding an AHL roster, there's there's really nothing that that you can, there's nothing big to hope for when when half the team, well, not even half the team, probably three quarters of the team is full of fourth liners. So tough loss to the Sabres. Sabres are on the on the upswing, obviously. I thought they'd be a playoff team this year. Uh, how, how, I don't know how many points they are out from the postseason. Let's take a look here. Um, yeah, so they only had 44 points. I thought they would have pushed for the playoffs. This year, they pushed for the playoffs last year. I thought they'd take that next step, but they just really haven't. And I, I thought they'd be better, but they took care of business against the 31st place Chicago Blackhawks last night as um, you can say it's a tank win, really, even though there was I, – I, I caught only parts of the game, but there really wasn't any any – Great play from anybody. I guess Vlasic's always consistent. I was hoping for something from Reichel. Just haven't really seen it from him. I'm not scared just because of a sophomore slump. That always happens. But we'll see. I think they're going to give him more runway, especially next year. And then if he's still struggling and, and his development is looks stunted, I could, I could see them trying to um, unload him while he still has a little bit of value. But I think once he gets a little more talent around him, it's going to be okay. And now tonight, which is tough because they flew to Buffalo, got stuck in Buffalo because they couldn't play on Wednesday, had to play yesterday, then they had to fly back home to Chicago after the game last night. And they get the New York Islanders, who have been okay. Nothing, nothing crazy. They are... Currently three points out of the wild card spot, which is where the Tampa Bay Lightning are. They the Tampa Bay Lightning have been on a recent surge here, which is not good for us Blackhawks fans because we have the Lightning's first round pick. I was hoping they'd be around that 12 to 13 range. If the season ended today, they're um it, it looks like according to Tangathon, their pick would be the 15th pick. We'll get into that in a little bit, um, but I, really, what to expect from the Islanders? They have uh, one of the best goalies in the league in Ilya Sorokin, and one of the best forwards in the league in Matt Barzell. So we will see how that goes tonight. I think Mrazek starting, and I don't think there is a lineup change. That game is is uh, puck drop seven thirty. Central Time, 6.30 Mountain Time for me. Um, 
But I mean, the Islanders have a strong, strong group. Noah Dobson, a lot of you might remember, he was picked a couple picks after Adam Boakfist. Thanks, he who must not be named, also known as Stan Bowman. What year was that? I'm thinking 2018 NHL draft. That was just a that was a brutal draft year for the Blackhawks. Just looking here, Quinn Hughes goes one pick before the Blackhawks, and you know Bowman would have picked him too because that was that was when Bowman was really pushing for the smaller, super skilled type players. So Quinn Hughes goes before Boakfist, and then two picks after Boakfist is Bouchard. Four picks after Boakfist is Dobson. Which, oh, it, it hurts to look at because the 27th overall pick, the Blackhawks pick Nicholas Bodin. Um, this this is a brutal, brutal draft. Uh, let's let's just take a look here from this draft. Jake Weiss Wise in the third round. Oh my goodness. Okay, I I take it back. Philip Kurashev in the fourth round. So that was a good pick. That was a good pick. And that's it. Yikes. Not a good draft for the Blackhawks, but getting back on track. Blackhawks still without Connor Bedard. Um, the timeline for him, they were talking about it on NBC Sports Chicago in the intermission. His timeline is looking to the middle towards the end of February. I think the earliest possible game that he could come back is February 13th against Vancouver, I think. Let's take a look at the Blackhawks schedule here. Uh, maybe it wasn't Vancouver. No, Vancouver. February 13th against Vancouver. So really any of these games, the 13th, 15th, 17th, 19th, 21st, 23rd, and then 25th. I believe the 25th is a very monumental date for the Blackhawks as Chris Chelios gets his jersey retired. And Patrick Kane makes his return to the United Center. For the first time, as a as, for the first time not being a Chicago Blackhawk, which I wish I was still in Chicago because I would definitely have gone to that. Um but hoping for the best for Bedard to come back. It's really, I mean, if you've been watching, it's been tough to watch this team the last couple weeks with him out because none of, I mean, Vlasic's looked really good. Phillips has his ups and downs. Kurashev is okay. But really, I'm looking at Lucas Reichel, and I'm not, sometimes he's not even on the ice because his play has been so poor. So it's been tough to watch the Blackhawks without Connor Bedard. And even more so because almost their entire top nine is injured. I mean, <laughs> Nikita Zaitsev, he's out, which, I mean, I'm not the biggest Nikita Zaitsev fan, but still, it, that's a NHL defenseman. Connor Murphy, he's out now. Seth Jones, he finally came back. Connor Bedard, out, obviously. Taylor Radish also finally came back. And Nick Foligno injured uh, just absolutely brutal injuries it's just the not even the severity just the amount 
And then Andreas Athanasiu. I, oh, I didn't even click the all button here. <laughs> Anthony Beauvillier, out. Tyler Johnson, out. Uh, who else here? Tenorti came back. It just absolutely brutal. I I can't I didn't even click the all button on uh cap friendly, which I mean, hey, slacking for Macklin. That's what I'd like to see. Uh not quite there yet. San Jose is on a whole nother level of of tankage and uh really really nothing you could do there. I mean, their roster is really bad and their goaltending is really bad. Let's let's get to some good news for the Blackhawks here. As um, Nick Foligno and Jason Dickinson signed to identical two-year, four and a half million dollar contracts. That's the AAV, so two two-year, nine million dollar contract. And I really, I'm fine with it. I, 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 is it an overpay? Obviously, it's obviously an overpay. But also, they're gonna be almost thirty-five million dollars away. From I think the cap floor, maybe not quite thirty-five million dollars. Uh, let's take a look. Uh, is there? I don't know how to work cap friendly. I was reading. I forgot where it was. It was on Twitter that the Blackhawks will need to spend almost thirty million dollars just to reach the floor for next year. Which obviously that'll decrease with um, restricted free agent contracts. But it, it's actually – it was an article on The Athletic, actually, and they were saying how how Kyle Davidson in about three years um, is going to be remembering when he used to have all this cap space once the Blackhawks are competitive. And that's, that always happens when you're a good team. And then the same when you're a bad team, you have lots of cap space. So Blackhawks are in a really good position here. And – I'm okay with both of those contracts. Um, I think they're going to help for sure just to develop the younger players. Oh, I apologize. It was not identical. Jason Dickinson signed to a 4.25. Felino signed to a 4.5. Both those guys are big blue guys. They're going to help the, the kids develop. And honestly, out of all of those veterans they brought in, those two I felt like were two that you could kind of keep around to see you through the rest of the rebuild. And then who knows? They'll both Felino will be 38 when his contract's up. Dickinson will be 30. So maybe Dickinson could be that third line center or fourth line center that once you finally are in playoff contention, everybody's ripping on the Blackhawks for this, for these deals, but it's really irrelevant right now. Like this is what they need to do. They need to get to the floor and they need to fill a roster with, with players to not with NHL players. So they don't have to plug these holes in with like a Colton doc from, from Rockford and let him marinate and let him develop and let him become fulfilled to his pulp, fulfill his potential. I think I, this is a, I'm fine with these two contracts. But it does kind of mess up with their their trade trade deadline approach, because if I were to make a list of all the Blackhawks that could be traded, it was going to be Dickinson and Felino one A and one B. Right now, maybe Ryan Donato. I don't think anybody's really going to take him. 
It's just looking Connor Murphy. If he gets healthy, you definitely have to retain salary on that because he's making $4.4 million and he has not been very good this year. Uh, but really that's it. The other big one here is, is uh, Peter Morazic and we'll talk about him in a second uh, coming up right after this. I, well, I'll, t- I'll talk about him right now, but should the Blackhawks get Peter Morazic an, ext- an extension? I think they should. I think he's the perfect bridge goalie until your Comesos and your Adam Guyans finally fully develop. I think he's solid. Is he going to win you a Stanley Cup? No. Is he Andre Vasilevsky? No. Is he Igor Shosturkin? No. Is he a solid, probably top 15 goalie in the league? I'd put him in that 13 to 15 range. Yeah. But also for a team like Edmonton or Toronto, that those teams are in need of a goalie for the playoffs. So I could easily see maybe trying to get a second out of someone for Morazic. And that's probably on the high side. Only problem now is the goaltending market is going to be held up because there's rumors the Wild might trade Flurry to a contender. If I had to guess, he's going to Carolina. That would be that would be my guess. Uh, because Carolina is it just seems like every year they're right there and then it just falls apart when they make the postseason. Well, they, they make it through the first two rounds and they, they can't get over that hump. So we'll see what happens there. And then I guess the other player I could see being traded is, is Tyler Johnson. $5 million cap hit, so you will have to retain something on him. Uh, as he's a free agent at the end of the year, but he's he's currently on on IR, so we'll see what happens with that. But I think a team will really appreciate his his postseason experience. You know, two time Stanley Cup champion with the with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Is he going to score forty goals? No. Is he going to put up hundred points? No. But that's a good guy to have on your third line as he's playing on the Blackhawks first line. No, no disrespect to Tyler Johnson, but. At this point in his career, he is a third line player. Uh, maybe, maybe pushing second line, but that that would be it. But I think maybe you could get a third out of him. But also at the same time, you look at the roster right now; like you got to fill these holes. I mean, Boris Kachuk, Zach Sanford, Joey Anderson, Reese Johnson, Rem Pitlick—it's just not going to happen. Uh, I was at the uh, Blackhawks Oilers game. Uh, a couple weeks ago, actually last week, January 10th, I think, January 9th, but the dates are relevant. And there's a website, it's called Expected to Win O-Meter, and it, the Blackhawks were like, almost at like 75%, and they ended up losing 2-1. And I remember tweeting at, at, at underneath that post, and I, I said, well, one team has, has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, the other team has Rem Pitlick on power play one. No disrespect to Rem Pitlick, but you need superstars and you, you need depth. And Rem Pitlick, I don't know if you consider the Rem Pitlicks of the world, the, the Zach Sanfords and the Boris Kachuks of the world to be depth. Like those are AHL depth guys, right? Not NHL first liners and first power play guys. So... I really don't know. I think if I had to guess, 
Davidson moves maybe one one player. I don't see any big time trade uh, for the Blackhawks. Now, what would be interesting is uh, if if Davidson felt confident enough to to center a package around a Del Mastro or a Nolan Allen, maybe even Colton Dock and Toronto's first round pick next or this upcoming year, or I'm sorry, next year for a Trevor Zegras. All I'm going to say, 2019, I was team Trevor Zegras instead of Kirby Dock. I didn't hate the Kirby Dock pick, but I was team Zegras. Imagine Zegras and Bedard. That would be a fun team. I don't think it will happen. I, I don't really think Anaheim's going to trade him either. But if if Davidson was going to make a big move, it'd be something like that, if I had to guess. And speaking of Kyle Davidson, what is his plan here? And I think he kind of showed his cards a little bit based on the, the extension he gave to Polino and, and Dickinson. Is You're going to get rewarded for your play, but also he's not going to go out this, this offseason and and find some and, and spend twenty million dollars on two guys. Uh, I know the big rumor, not even rumor, but everyone wanted Nylander. I want I wanted Nylander at the right price. I would not have given him eleven million dollars. Um, I felt if you if you could get someone like a Nylander, it would have had to be at a nine maybe even $10 million, $11 million is way too much. So now the headliner really is going to be Steven Stamkos. And I I said, I, if, if I was Davidson, I'd be like, Stamkos, here's $10 million for two years. He totally wouldn't accept it, but that would be my offer to him. Another big one here is, is Elias Pettersson and... But he's restricted free agent. What I do to get Elias Pettersson on the Blackhawks? I don't think Davidson would swing a trade for him at this offseason. If I had to guess, the only way the Blackhawks get Elias Pettersson is he signs like a bridge deal in Vancouver for two or three years, becomes an unrestricted free agent. Then that's when the Blackhawks will go after him. And... This is the biggest free agent I lied about Stamkos. Brent Seabrook's contract finally ends this offseason. The Blackhawks were able to get out of the last couple years because they traded him to Tampa Bay. But absolutely hilarious that his contract finally ends this year. One of the worst contracts ever signed. Wow, that's funny. Sam Reinhart's an interesting one. He's going to want probably $10 million. Close to that, maybe a little less. But he's having a career year and a contract year. I'd be scared to sign him. And then a bunch of depth, guys. This is a pretty good free agent class. I could see the Hawks going after, I don't know, uh, even a Noah Hannafin. He's probably going to want a little too much money for Davidson. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Uh, but I could see like a Victor Olofsson down year this year for Buffalo, been a little injured. I could see those kinds of signings. I don't think Davidson is going to be playing um, in the deep end in this free agent class. So how how is he going to build a team? 
it's going to be through the draft. That, that's what he said. That's been his plan the whole time. So I'm going to do my who I would pick at two and 15 and then give you a, a different scenario, which I think is the best scenario. But no Tankathon Sim. We'll, we'll do that after this. But just straight up, if the draft was like the NFL draft and the season ended today, the Blackhawks would have the second overall pick and the 15th overall pick from the Tampa Bay Lightning. At two, I'm taking Caden Lindstrom. Uh, I'm, I'm, if they don't get Celebrini, I'm on Team Lindstrom, or that's really it. I, I don't really feel super confident in Cole Iserman. Um, Team Lindstrom is, I am Team Lindstrom. 6-4 forward. I think he's going to be a stud. Um, and then at 15, I don't know if he'll still be there. Maybe he slides a little because he had a, a season-ending injury. I'm taking Adam Jerichek. I I think that's I think that's the move. Uh, it gets you your I believe he's right-handed. Gets you your right-handed defenseman, which they need. And I, I think he's in that. He's the first defenseman in that like second tier of defensemen. So he's not going to be a a Levshinov or or a Dickinson, even like a a Zeev Bium. Um, I'd be happy with him. Now my dream scenario for this draft is trading fifteen and like a second or or even 15 and and Toronto's first and jumping back into the top 10 because I personally I think there's going to be a run of forwards in the top 5 and if if Artem Levshinov drops to I don't know say 7 to 8 7 to 9 that range I think you have to try and pull the trigger because I have him as the best defenseman in this class some people have Sam Dickinson um but big right shot defenseman and I think that's I think I know that's what the the Blackhawks pipeline needs because a lot of their defenseman prospects are left-handed. And now we get to do the tankathon sim. Um one second, technical difficulties. All right, here we go. Tankathon Sim. So we get four spins because remember last time I said we had three spins and I got first overall on the second try. So we get four spins to try and get number one. First spin, we drop down to three and Minnesota goes to one. That would be a probably worst case scenario for the Blackhawks. Second spin. Nope, I lied. This is the worst case scenario. You drop to three and St. Louis comes up from nine to one. That would be the worst case scenario. Third spin. Oh, drop to four and Montreal gets number one again. Final spin. So next week we'll only get three spins. Here we go. Wow, that was tough. That was that was not good. We went three, three, four, four. Um not good at all. So hopefully that's not what happens in real life. Hopefully they're bad enough to where they are one and then they just win it again. 
and then um they could still win the lottery in 2025 and then that's michael misa's year but i'm getting way ahead of myself for for that draft so let's talk a little bit of cubs now um Big news today in baseball, not just for the Cubs, as Josh Hader signs with the Astros for $95 million over five years. Rumored Cubs target, everyone was like thinking that he might want to come back and, and reunite with Craig Council. No way at that number. If I had to guess, Jed offered him three years, $45 million. No way is he going to offer a reliever almost $100 million it doesn't matter how long the contract is. That's just not how Jed operates. It's unfortunate. Would have been a nice pairing with Alzale. But, it. I mean, great contract for Hayter. Congratulations to him. But that is, that's, that's a crazy amount of money for a reliever that probably pitches once every three days. Now, obviously, if he's pitching once every three days, once every two days, you're winning once every three days, once every two days. So that's good. But still, I, I wouldn't have gone near that number. I mean, the teams will that would have I thought it was going to get over a hundred million dollars, but like I said, three years 45, maybe even up to 50 is the most I would have offered hater. If I had to guess, Jed had the same thinking as that. Just knowing how he plays free agency. He doesn't like to spend recklessly. Good for Hater. Good for the Astros. You got your closer for the next five years, as long as he stays healthy. That I'm finally we get some more big news. It felt like it went a little quiet there again. Hopefully things start picking up. And hopefully the Cubs start making moves. Uh, there are a couple guys that I think are still on their radar. Strictly free agents. The obvious one's Cody Bellinger. Um, I, I I still am going to hold true that they got they had to come out of this offseason with one of Bellinger or, or Otani, or else it was I would have considered it a failure. And I'm still going to stick with that. Uh, the only way that it wouldn't is they would have had to sign a, a couple other like really nice pieces, like a Reese Hoskins and a Matt Chapman. But I, I think you need you need to go out and get uh, a Cody Bellinger to really not not only lengthen your lineup, but you need another bat in there that teams are scared to pitch to in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, right? Like that. That's 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 the kind of guy that he was, right? And I think that's why you saw guys like Suzuki flourish towards the end of last year. His teams were pitching around Bellinger. And pitching at Suzuki, if you can get those guys mixed in with Horner, Happ, and Swanson, I think that's a really, I think that's a really solid team, and I could see eighty-eight to ninety-one wins. Now, the new rumor among, not even from a super credible source, it's just Cubs fans, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bite into it. Is uh, Jose Ramirez maybe? No, I mean, you could we could dream. Just, uh, the, the where this stems from is the Cubs were interested or were slash are interested in Class A. They had talks about Bieber. There was the Josh Naylor rumor. Jose Ramirez is elite. 
And I, I mean, this guy would be instantly their their best player. And remind what if, if they did end up swinging this trade, it would remind me of another Aramis, another Ramirez, Aramis Ramirez. Um, because Jose just signed an extension, uh, he'd be one uh, this year, 2025 through 2028. Uh, really, really good deal 20 million dollars, uh, against the luxury tax. He signed seven year, 141 million dollar deal. The, the biggest problem outside of, um, who you, would you even give up is he has a full no trade clause. He loves Cleveland. He would not waive it, I don't think, to any team. But let's just a hypothetical. He waves it. He wants to come to the Cubs. What are you giving up? I would give up PCA and Morel for Ramirez, plus probably Alcantara and Casey. I would decimate the farm system for Jose Ramirez. <laughs> um, that would be that would be a a full on we're going for it move. I don't think Jed is there yet. If they're going to do a move like this, it it would be probably next offseason or at this deadline, depending depending how the team does. But just looking at him from last year, 5.1 war, 24 home runs, 282 batting average, 80 RBIs. He had an OPS of 831, OPS plus of 131. I mean, all-star the last three years. 2020 finished second in MVP voting in the shortened year. Silver Slugger in 2020, Silver Slugger in 2022. Finished third in the MVP voting 2017 and 18. He was an all-star and a Silver Slugger in those years. This guy's just a guy who's mashed the baseball, provides really solid um, value on the base paths. Um, solid defender. It's just, it'd be a home run. To go out and trade for this guy. Completely hypothetical though. Uh, because. He's not going to waive it. And the cost would be too much. I, I Jed. From what we've seen from Jed Hoyer. He is a, a, a prospect. Order. A little bit. Which I respect. I, I would do the same thing. If I was actually. I wouldn't do the same thing. But. As a fan, I, I hate seeing these prospects go because I like I enjoy following minor league baseball. And I don't know, it's it's nice to have one of your homegrown guys become a star. But Jose Ramirez, I would I would trade the whole farm system for Jose Ramirez. So that that's my little tangent on on that rumor in quotes. Um but a rumor from an actual source is the Cubs have ex are expected to be the most active team from here until spring training. Cue the meme from or the meme slash scene from Back to the Future when Marty McFly goes, "Hey, I've seen this one before." Uh, it's just I, I I've heard this story way too many times that. I, I refuse to believe it that 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 this they're gonna actually go out and be the most aggressive team. Uh 
it's throughout the rest of the offseason. I mean, maybe it's uh, just Bellinger and then a pitcher. Um, but who knows? It leads me into a, a couple of Cubs targets outside of Bellinger. Uh, reports are they're still in on Reese Hoskins. I don't really see a need for Hoskins. If you get Bellinger, you already got Michael Bush. I'd like Matt Chapman on a short term, maybe 20 per three for 60. I don't think he'd ever do that. I think he wants over a hundred and long-term security. A big one though. I, I haven't really heard their name in it in, in these conversations for a little while is, um, Robert Stevenson, reliever. I'd, I'd really hope that uh, the Cubs go after him because I think he'd be be a nice addition. Uh, and then uh, a weird one is, is Jordan Montgomery. Uh, according to John Heyman, the Rangers are still the front runner, and that made the most sense. But he, he has named the, dropped the Cubs a couple times. It'd be a weird rotation with Steele, Imanaga, and then Montgomery, and Tyone, and then Hendricks. That's three lefties. And then if one of the righties gets injured, you're thinking probably Jordan Wicks is the next guy to step in. So then you'd have you could possibly have four lefties at once. I don't know. I think he's gonna want like 180 million dollars. And I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but crazier things have happened. I didn't think the Cubs were going to get counsel. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, uh, two more quick segments for you here. Again, sorry for the short, short episode. It's going to be about 35, 40 minutes. It's tough to do it alone. Um We'll get we might get Frank on next week again, talk bulls, and then hopefully, hopefully Thomas is back. Uh, but if the Cubs don't do anything and the Blackhawks and Bull uh, and the Blackhawks are still bad and the Bears don't do anything, it might be college basketball next week. Um, I don't want to talk about college football. Everybody's gonna transfer from Arizona since Jed Fish left. Um, but getting back on topic. I need to show Nika Horner a little bit of love here because yesterday MLB Network came out with their top 10 second baseman, and I believe Nika Horner was 10, uh, and that's just unac unacceptable. I'm pulling up the list right here. Uh, it put it at, it was Mookie Betts, Jose Altuve, Marcus Simeon, Luis Arias, Catal Marte, Matt McClain, Andres Jimenez, Eduard Julian, Zach Geloff and then Nico Horner at 10. Uh, I don't agree with this list whatsoever. Phillies fans are going to be crying that Bryson Stott's not on here. Bryson Stott is not better than Nico Horner. I'd put Nico Horner probably at five. I'd like the top two, the top three is fine. I'd put Cattell at four, Horner at five. And then probably McLean, Jimenez, Julian. No, I don't even know if I put Jimenez. I'd keep Jimenez in there. Julian. I'd probably take Zach Geloff off just because 
he hasn't been in the bigs that long. I'd, I'd probably put Bryson Stott at 9 or 10. But the problem with Nico Horner is everyone is infatuated with, with OPS a little too much now. And let me pull up Nico Horner's stats. Nico Horner last year was a 5.1 war player. Remember how I said I trade the entire farm system for Jose Ramirez? Jose Ramirez was a 5.1 war player. I just want to put that out there for perspective. Nico Horner, nine home runs, 283 batting average, 98 runs, 68 RBIs, 346 OBP, 383 slug for a 729 OPS, 97 OPS plus. This is a guy where your advanced stats don't fit. Like advanced stats work for 95 to 98% of the players in baseball. Um, they do not really work for Nico Horner on the offensive side of the ball because he, I guarantee you, if you ask the general manager for every single team in baseball, they would love to have a player like Nico Horner on their team. He's a guy who doesn't strike out. He doesn't even really swing and miss. Doesn't walk a lot, which that's, that's his, I would say his biggest downside. And he, he just like, he's a pest. He's annoying to pitch against. And then defensively, he's a gold glover. He's an elite defender. So just need to show Nico Horner some love after that horrendous uh, top 10 list from, from MLB Network. And I'm going to close our segment or uh, this episode out with potentially a couple couple prospects that we could see up in, in the majors this year outside of your uh, Michael Bush or – uh, uh, a Matt Mervis, maybe I, I'll, I'll include Canario in my list, but outside of those guys, I'm just going to give you who I think is going to be up. PCA, I think will be up at earliest. Uh, he wins the job outright, depending on what the Cubs do the rest of the off season at the latest, probably June. Uh, I don't know about Cade Horton, uh, in, in like the summer, summer, I could see him coming up in late August, early September for, for a cup of coffee. Um, I could also see Ben Brown coming up, making a spot start. I think, I think he's going to make a couple starts for the Cubs this year. I Jordan Wicks was already up there. A big one is, is Michael Arias, Arias Arias. Um, he's an interesting one, right-handed pitcher. 12th ranked prospect um, converted from a shortstop to a pitcher 65 fastball, 50 slider, 55 changeup, 40 control overall, 45 future value. I, I could see him coming up in a bullpen role. If someone gets hurt, uh, Matt Mervis, obviously I could also see if they don't trade him Canario, I could see him. I don't think he'll make the opening day roster, but I could see him being a bench guy. Um, Another guy I could see up is is BJ Murray. He'd have to take a big jump, um, and it's like there would have to be Morel, Magical, Wisdom, and then whoever's going to play first, um, Michael Bush. Like two or three of those guys would have to get hurt for BJ Murray to make it up to the bigs. Uh, Caleb Killian, we'll probably see him. Uh, Luke Little, I think he'll start the season in the bullpen. Uh, and I think he, he has, uh, the upside to be a elite setup man. 
and I think he might he might have the goods to be to be that guy uh, in the bullpen. Then to, I guess to wrap it up, last prospect that I could see coming up is oh where I passed him. Maybe I didn't pass him. I could see once again this is the same same reasoning with BJ Murray is uh oh, I got two more for you one one I'm gonna end on the one a different one but Hayden McGeary raked in double a last year he kind of had that Matt Mervis um monumental leap through the minors 24 year old first baseman I, I there would have to be injuries for him to really come up and and see the field a good chunk uh, and get a good chunk of playing time. The one I'm going to end on, the, the everyone thought he was going to be the savior of this franchise. Brennan Davis, 24 years old. I mean, man, I thought this guy was going to be a stud. And then he got hurt, was never really the same. Uh, but it'd be, it'd be nice for him to come up and, and be successful. I remember when he was the Cubs' top prospect, and now he's all the way all the way down at, at 19. Um, but that's, that's my list of who I think from the top 30 is going to come up and, and maybe get a little, little bit of playing time at the federal landmark. But with that, I think we're going to end this episode. Um, I'll see you guys on Monday. Most likely, most likely still just going to be me. It's either going to be a combination of me, just me, We'll try to get Frank on for one of those episodes, and then hopefully Thomas is is up and ready from from his surgery, and we get back on track with both of us on on the podcast. So, thank you so much. Thanks for listening.